1: Hello everybody, welcome to the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. Josh Brown, did I say my name? I think I did. It but did. don't worry about it, because we've got plenty of games to talk about, mainly this time from the Ubisoft and Capcom showcases. Now, the latter of which didn't go down very well at all.
2: Well, it didn't last year either, no. I should add. They are kind of
1: weird when it comes to
2: showcases, Scott.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the way that the, sort of, the summer season's still kind of ongoing. There's still the Ryugaku one to go. Um, I forget what else is on the horizon, but most of them are done. We've got Annapurna Interactive
2: at yeah. the end. Yes. very end of the month but that's not for a few weeks yet yes. like it's the 29th of
1: June whereas there was a massive salvo between um, Xbox and I'm blanking on the rest of them but there's the Summer Games Fest Summer there's like, been Future Games Show there you go They're you've got everywhere. Sony's
2: conference you've got Ubisoft's conference Microsoft's conference Capcom's oh. conference there's been a lot of conferences it's a lot of
1: conferences I'm not going to lie it's very warm in the UK you might have heard about the uh, the heat wave that's doing the rounds it's burned my brain I was off for my wife's birthday it was a very lovely time going away to the lakes, Lake District would recommend it but I've come back very, uh, very, very out of it. You very... got a
2: lot of uh, hay fever as well. If oh I my recall. god!
1: Shout out to the hay fever people. The peeps putting up with the amount of bung that arrives on a daily basis when you've got hay fever. I'll tell you what, man. Like, Horrible. I, I don't
2: have hay fever, fortunately, but the other week I was off with a cold, right? And I feel like that's just
1: lingered. You know, when one just mm. won't shift, and
2: you kind of snotty more than <laughs> you want to be, and it's like, man, why can't my body just heal? I think it's because I've been on so many trains, right? I train so much, especially when they're hot. What kind of infrastructure? <laughs> you, British infrastructure and trains running on, man, because they're absolutely oh. useless and they're boiling in the Nevron time. It's just. I, and it costs so I, much money.
1: If it was Dylan Moran who just. I know was like an He referred to an airplane as just a giant tube of farts that's going through the, the sky. And it's very much the case with the train where you're just. You're locked in there. It's sweaty. It's humid. It feels like you could lick the air itself. Oh, it's it's not, not. good.
2: It's This is not the child's fault. I'm, I would never be annoyed <laughs> at a child. But I just want to tell, tell you about the horribleness of this situation. I was yeah. coming back from. Um, Glasgow yesterday in mm. fact, and I was on this boiling hot train. It was a kid in front of me clearly travel sick right. who was sicking into a bag. Oh, no right, right in front of me. <laughs> and it's like 30 <laughs> degrees and I had to move, man, because it was just like I was hungover as well, and I was just thinking like, "Oh, I wish the Lord would take me now." I love
1: you being hungover, but the kid's the one being sick. I know, it's right? Just like, I know. Channeling it like spiritually through this other being oh, I know, to man. excise the evil. Um, but yeah, one thing that might save us all is video games, and we'll run down the Ubisoft conference and the Capcom conference um, because it's just games left, right, and centre. Ubisoft, actually, I thought, actually had quite a solid um, showcase this year. A lot of gameplay stuff, a lot of safe bets, but we did get a lot more gameplay for Star Wars Outlaws. And we'll like I said, we'll break all these things down um, one by one. But what do you think of uh, Star Wars Outlaws? I'm so mixed in all of these mm. games. I want to
2: get out in front and say this because <clears> they have so many elements that I'm intrigued by, but so many elements that make me think that Ubisoft hasn't really changed much from mm. a creative standpoint. And Star Wars Outlaws was again a, a mixed bag for me because visually it looks spectacular yeah. and the scale of it is excellent you know i love any game starfield included that allows you to go from the ground into space yes. and then all over space and have an open <laughs> world on that level so obviously when you when the game kept um, when the when the trailer for the game kept Peeling back the layers Mm. of itself. That was really exciting. But I couldn't help but notice how much it looked like a Ghost Recon. It is Ghost
1: Recon, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. in
2: terms of like the open world design and even some of the movement systems. You know, obviously, it's by the developers of The Division, but I just, for whatever reason, got mad Ghost Recon vibes from it, (laughs) and it made me think that, yes, this demo looks quite interesting, but how is it going to play on a moment-to-moment basis? Mm. Because that's what always kills me, personally, with Ubisoft titles. Mm. It's that they have cool things within them, but when you settle into their gameplay loops, it becomes so raw and familiar that the magic of chasing two guys on a speeder bike and having those firefights and then going to space is kind of lost through the game Gaminess of them, and that's yeah. just
1: weird to say, but I just I, I feel that a lot with this company. I'm kind of hoping that because that's kind of the thing that coming out of this, where it was like the new Avatar game, Frontiers of Pandora. We'll get to that in a bit, but I felt like that was ostensibly a Far Cry skin, um, and you're clearing out a settlement you're doing the knee slides using the assault rifles. If you just showed that part of that demo to people, I think they would just think it is a new Far Cry. Um, and then for Star Wars Outlaws, like as much as in both cases they've got these bigger IPs and there's bigger expectation, the guts of the thing seem very safe and seem very like what they've done before. And it's not necessarily a takeaway from either game. Like, they seem solid enough for what they're going for. But Star Wars Outlaws being the next Ghost Recon in the mold of Wildlands or Breakpoint, it made me think of um, that original, I think it was the Wildlands demo, where they tried to walk through, like, a car chase. It was, like, going after a certain target, and then the dude left, and he was on a bike, and they tried to, like, fake all the gameplay chatter between the players, being like, oh, you know, he's on your left, and watch this, and go chase the guy down, and whatever. And I got a little bit of that in the Outlaws demo, when, like, they yeah. um, left the compound, it went into a car, chase then the person you know Take take them out and go back to the uh, the HQ and get the, do the bounty and everything. But I do like the idea of the seamlessness of that. I think one of the things, one of the promises of the new gen is like eliminating load time. And I do like the idea of just this really cool seamless Star Wars experience. Um, but at the same time, like if the guts of it are Ghost Recon, then like you said, you will like that, that gameplay loop is like a thirty minute loop. If that, yeah. and then it's just that for like thirty hours or whatever.
2: Well, this is it. I mean, when the demo starts and you get the first taste of gameplay, and it's the lead character sneaking around doing one and takedowns and then emerging from stealth into a gunfight i kind of (laughs) thought
1: i've done this i've
2: done this so many times before and it looked good Mm -hmm. but if that was all it had to offer or if the open world was all it had to offer or if the space combat was all it had to offer i would say that as individual parts they didn't blow me away but Mm. yeah it's what you said all of them locked together on that scale With, you know, definitely a sense of ambition behind it. That's Mm -hmm. what makes me interested in the game. How is all of that going to knit together? How are they going to keep that going for however many hours that the game is, you know going to play out for. Mm -hmm. I really like Massive, the studio behind it. It is Massive, right? Yeah, Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. The the people behind The Division, I thought The Division had a lot of potential. It just was kind of stifled by its um, online components. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Ubisoft Reflections is also working on it. So I want this team to do well. I really do. I think they have a lot of promise. They're Mm -hmm. one of my favorite teams within Ubisoft in terms of what they've put out and the games that I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. and where I think they could go from here. And I just kind of hope that this is a step up from The Division and they're able to focus on single player stuff mm. they're able to weave in an interesting story which it seems like they're doing admittedly through like the the dialogue that we yeah, saw the cutscenes that we saw mm-hmm. feels like it's doing a lot and I hope they managed to thread the needle like you said and bring it I together I
1: always think especially now because we're on the other side of the, the, the sequel trilogy whatever you want to call it I think Star Wars Secret Weapon is a lack of expectation mm. I think I've said that somewhere when I was being recorded but I, I put that on the record I think <laughs> that when you think about Andor no one cared about Andor when that show was announced. No one Gave a hoot about that show. It's phenomenal. It's the best Star Wars TV show by a considerable distance. Um, it's brilliant. Same to some degree with Fallen Order, and uh, and then with Jedi Survivor. Like they're sort of like a nice little side story. Like Cal Kestis, like so far, I don't think has appeared in anything else yet. It's like his own yeah. little side thing. And because of that, like there's you know there was some expectation because it was Respawn, but it was them trying a third person game, um, and they'd been given Star Wars and EA's track record with Star Wars at the time was horrible, so a complete lack of expectation, and it flew. And Jedi Survivor is brilliant, providing you play on the. Mode and avoid the performance one. So I'm like, in this case, when the uh, cutscene started rolling out for Outlaws, and it showed the character talking to people and moving through that world, I was like, okay, it's Ubisoft. There's a lack of expectation for an open world because, well, at least there's a certain amount because we know what we're going to be getting. Um, but I hope that works, and I think with because it's Star Wars. For me, like if I talk about Star Wars things that I've genuinely enjoyed or loved, I I only have Andor and Jedi Fallen Order slash Jedi Survivor. Yeah, that's it. Like I don't right. have anything else. And so I think that Star Wars as an overall IP works better when it when it fragments itself more and just goes here's a nice little slice of Star Wars. Here's a little side story with all the wider trimmings, rather than it be a Skywalker sized thing.
2: Well, this is a pure taste thing mm. again, but I don't know how I feel about having a slice of Star Wars right. because again from a from what I want out of the franchise I was looking at this on display and kind of thinking is it for me? Mm. Is this setting what I want out of this fiction? Do I want a kind of grittier Star Wars tale that focuses on the underworld and bounty hunters and whatnot and Scoundrels goes down, Scoundrels, perfect <laughs> Perfect as soon uh, as way to categorize to the, it as. The
1: main character is a scoundrel. I was oh, can you not? <laughs> can you not use that one word that we use to describe everyone who's a thief in Star Wars? Yeah, just be well, anyone else at all.
2: That's it, right? I don't know if that's for me because I look at it and I think what's drawing me to this? Mm. It kind of, to me, is an excuse for them to kind of blur the lines with something like Ghost Recon, yet have it still be Star Wars-y in nature. And that's an entire me thing. It's just because I'm more interested in the Jedi and you know, the grander elements of that franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, with with that not doing it for me and then the gameplay itself not completely blowing me away. I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I'm very mid on it. I'm very kind of lukewarm on it. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker warm on it <laughs> as it were. Um, but I want to see more and hopefully it shapes up nicely because even though I, I'm mid on it, I'm still way more hype on it than mm-hmm. I have been for an Ubisoft game in about three, four years. Yeah,
1: we'll get to the Prince of Persia stuff because that's that's my only Ubisoft game that I've cared about in a long time. I don't even remember the last time I really cared about an Ubisoft game. Maybe like Valiant Hearts or Child of Light or something. That's 2014. Um, it's been a long time. But yeah, for Star Wars, that wider stuff for me like it's like rogue one like it adds to the big stuff and it's like okay because all these other things were happening it makes that middle story like more impressive or something like that like they're not going to go into specifics but there's a certain reveal in jedi survivor towards the end where yeah. a character isn't reduced or it, it comes in that ties it into everything else and i hate that bit right i think you really liked it and i think a lot of people do that's it it's
2: it's like i say it's a pure taste thing but with me, Star Wars, because I was, an, I was never an expanded universe guy. I was no, never to a TV show guy. I never watched the Clone Wars or anything like that. I'm mm. not saying they're bad, just not my thing. To me, Star Wars was an event. Every mm. installment was a big thing. It moved the world onwards. Onwards? Move, yeah. move, the word, move the world forwards. Mm-hmm. And it was all I knew. I didn't know about the expanded stuff. So I didn't live in it as a world mm-hmm. that just had all of these stories propping it up. Propping it up. Mm-hmm. So I come to Star Wars for that event feeling. And both the Jedi games so far have given me that event feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't ever just want another Star Wars. That's why I never watched like the book of Boba Fett because it just <laughs> felt like another half season of Mandalorian. And it's why I've not got around to the Mandalorian season three yet because yeah. I don't necessarily, I'm, I'm not personally here for just stories within that universe they need to feel purposeful which you know but everyone says and or is that so i'm going to get totally. to that eventually mm-hmm. but i don't necessarily feel that from this right now and like i say that's very much a me thing but it's i think star wars means different things to different people other people will love though that kind of extra content as it were that's slowly becoming the main way to consume star mm-hmm. wars and it's just
1: i'm, I'm sort of left behind uh, from that i think that's mainly because disney have no no idea how to make those events anymore like they tried that with the sequel trilogy and it bombed like towards the very end it completely fell apart so it's like it's weird because that's the kind of what I mean about like addressing Star Wars as like a thing because they're trying to walk that line of like how do we do the big event things how do we do the the next step that can match up with the Skywalker saga but also we need to flesh out this entire world to plug all these different stories into and I quite like the fleshing out the texture of the world stuff I think Andor does that the best And yeah. um, because Andor and Rogue One reinforced the main series of movies that happened it's a I and or like, but I don't know. Rounds out the grittier side of Star Wars in a way that makes Luke's actions even more heroic. Yeah, and something like that. I think there's ways to do that that like reinforces the good stuff and um, or the wider the the main stuff. And um, but yeah, Fallout was like overall gameplay wise, like you said, there was like one button takedowns, a, a standard sort of cover shooter fight. And uh, it was a bit mad maxi in terms of going from one thing to the next. Yeah. Um. I just yeah, it's one of those things where like, does it actually need to be Star Wars, or is it this? Is it a glorified skin? Because that's, yeah, that's kind of.
2: My question right now, and mm-hmm. I would so want to be proven wrong, but like you said, some of the mechanics you just mentioned there combined with um, the little helper that you have that can, you know, cha- like hack things Is it in a cute little animal
0: helper, is it? A cute
2: little animal helper that can hack things like you're playing Watch Dogs. I thought that was straight <laughs> out of Watch Dogs. I could just identify all of the parts, and that's not a bad thing, mm. but that's been my issue with Ubisoft for so long where I wonder what the driving force haha, <laughs> behind this game is. Like, yeah. what's the purpose of it, for lack of a better term? Is it just a way to collate a bunch of marketable mechanics within a marketable IP and Mm. then sell it to people like what's the cohesion? What's the glue? Holding all that stuff together and reinforcing it because it's so rare that I've ever played an Ubisoft game that is more than the sum of its parts. It's often like these individual components and you either like
1: that or you don't. No, that's a really good point. Ubisoft like they trade in nakedly showing you the parts that make up their games and then literally almost marketing it that way and go, hey, if you like that feature over here, it's over here too. Why don't you buy all these different things? And I feel like the bottom fell out of that Across the 2010s, um, which is interesting because now it's like, you know, they had a whole bunch of stuff going on with the uh, scandals around various staff members. There was this dude that was in charge of the, what we would refer to as the Ubisoft formula that was all going through this one guy, and he's gone now. So the, the assumption is that the next few years of Ubisoft should feel fresher and newer and have all these different creative risks that this dude was blocking beforehand, but we're not there yet necessarily, at least, like, unless there's more into this game and we don't know yet.
2: Well, this is it. I don't think it was ever like, you know, one person, like, in, no, in, in cut, charge of the that, creative but, yeah. thing but like, then you have Eves Gilmore, was it last year, coming out and saying how he only wants to focus on mega franchises. And that's one of my biggest criticisms <laughs> of the show is that they've almost given up, I think, on their own mega mega mm. franchises and just gone to other people's and said, can we have a go of that, please? Can yeah. we get a bit of Star Wars? Can we get a bit of Avatar? And we'll give you our mechanics because we only want mega franchises and we're not actually asked anymore <laughs> if those are ours or, or what. We're well, here to... Cut a licensing deal.
1: Let's talk about Assassin's Creed just quickly because that is that is the one mega brand thing that they're still going with. It feels like Far Cry's taking a little break, but Assassin's Creed has three main games in progress right now. Um, the first, the one this year being Assassin's Creed Mirage, but there's also Assassin's Creed Nexus, which is the VR one, um, which is in itself inspired, but it's like five key locations or something um, from AC123. Um, and then there's Assassin's Creed Codename Jade, which is the ancient China one, but that's a mobile game. So it's like, a, that's just a weird thing. They've also got a new division game called uh, Resurgence. That's a mobile game as well. Um, but yeah, Assassin's Creed seems to be the one thing that they've just kind of like, okay, we've had a few misfires recently. What the hell do we double down on that's actually sold pretty well? And I feel like if you don't address the story side of Valhalla, because a lot of people in the community like didn't like the way the end of that game sort of rolled out and it is very ridiculous. I like how dumb it is, but I always liked how stupid Assassin's Creed was anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of Assassin's Creed and talking about mega brands and that idea of like doubling down on something that has a former success. Mirage is literally 2007 Assassin's Creed again.
2: Yes. And you know what? It's funny because how many... The, we will be on record, Scott Telford, yes. so many times saying, I wish <laughs> Assassin's Creed <laughs> would go back to its roots. Yeah, And now it has. And we're kind of like, oh, I actually wish you would do something different now I because well, I've played this before. And that's not necessarily my view, but I've seen that yeah, during yeah. the rounds online. So it's funny because them going back to what they know is kind of what I've wanted, but it's also uninspired. Mm. I would take this version of Assassin's Creed over what Assassin's Creed became with Odyssey and Valhalla any day of the week. That doesn't mean necessarily that it I'm going to suddenly start pre-ordering Assassin's Creed games again or even no. buying them day one. I probably will play through Mirage because it does seem like a smaller experience, a more concise experience. Mm. And I do like that style of gameplay more than what Odyssey and Valhalla and, and Origins brought to the table. But mm. it still doesn't get me excited in the same way that I used to get about the series.
1: No, same. And it was, it was a weird thing because, like yeah, I, as much as everyone talks about Assassin's Creed going back to its roots, what people tend to mean is a focus on stealth. It doesn't mean literally remake the same game again and dress Basim the same way as Altaïr. And have like you're dropping into the assassin's stronghold from a thatched roof. It was like the exact same stuff. Um, it's, it's interesting watching the Mirage gameplay demo because you kind of forget just how well, um, how how much the environment enforced the parkour side of it, which was back in the day one of the biggest selling points of the franchise. And maybe you can like you know flesh that stuff out more. I don't think they are. I think in the gameplay demo, it still seemed like you're just holding a run button and your dudes just doing everything automatically.
2: Why I'm so skeptical of this game and why I cannot get on board with it mm. is just because of where it started like before we knew its title we knew that it was like initially going to be an expansion for Valhalla yeah something something that was going to be tacked on and then it became this original game and that the nature of its creation in that sense feels so we need an Assassin's Creed this year because the other stuff we're working on has taken a long time that I can't vibe with it enough because i just wonder how much of this did you even want to do in the first place and Mm. how much is just filling a gap with what you already know like if if it was built from the ground up as a new game and who knows maybe the original expansion was scrapped and and Mm. this was Mm. if it was built from the ground up with that in mind to push the systems that have been dormant for a decade to reinvigorate the parkour to kind of give us the formula but better and and improve it Mm. i'd be there for it Absolutely, but Mm -hmm. it just kind of feels like instead of going back and improving, they're just going back,
1: like you said. It's just like... The whole idea in the in the in the original game, that whole idea of the control scheme being like it was like on Xbox, it was like X and B, where your left and right arms and Y was your head and A was your legs. And they mentioned that lows before launch. And it was oh, if you're going to climb a side of a building, you'd have to match all the button prompts and reach out with the right arm and everything else. And they largely ditched that towards launch. It was just hold A and right trigger and like you just run up run up a side of a building or something. But if they're going back to like I said, the roots, the idea of what was the you know, Assassin's Creed going in, it was the idea of this acrobatic assassin who could get into places no one else could. That should be the gameplay system. Like the idea that, like, you know, you're approaching a target. That's another thing that I really liked about the original Assassin's Creed was that you did have it was like seven or nine targets and you can take them out in different ways. Yeah. And to this day, and it's like 16 years old, like Assassin's Creed. I remember how I took most of those targets out. Like I remember cornering the dude in the market square. I remember shivving the dude in his kidneys in the middle of a town square and then hiding on a bench around the corner. Like it's like a Hitman style takeout thing and I even remember when they did a little bit of that in Assassin's Creed Unity because they made those kills more set PC and like I like the idea of going back to that but when you view those uh, targets and you view those environments in Mirage assumedly you should be able to envision like oh if I go that way I'll take them out that way if I set this in motion I'll do this and play into the assassin side of things and I it just the way that it looked was just kind of on rails like it was like auto running auto getting you in place you're hitting a button you're taking a dude out you're running away like you know you're getting the feathers again with the blood like the same in the assassin's creed one there's even that nostalgic graphics filter um, yes yeah. to like drain the color out of it or something and um, to try and make it look like 2007s and it's just i mean like it's not that i don't respond to it at all i definitely see exactly what they're doing and i do i am one of those like three people who love assassin's creed one i really love that game so like i have a soft spot for it but it's just so nakedly pandering so like Back in the day, like, oh, can we get you to reinvest in when you believed that it could be something more back in the day?
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, again, I can't, I personally can't criticize them too much for that because Mm. I have been asking for that for years at this point. And honestly, for me, it's hitting at, like, the perfect time because I've weirdly had this real... Assassin's Creed 1 nostalgia recently. I've been watching videos on it. I've been um, wanting to replay it because I've not touched the original since it came out back in 2007, 2008, or wherever it was. Uh And I've just kind of wanted to go back to it. So hopefully I'll get a similar... You know, experience with this game but my issue is that I don't just want that from a new title if I want to go back and play Assassin's Creed 1 I'll go back and play Assassin's Creed 1 yeah if I'm getting Mirage I want to see where you've taken that foundation and use the 10 years of experience that you've had building the other games mm. and what can you bring over what can you change what can you improve how can you make this the best version of it that it can be and yeah. I just—I I haven't seen that yet and I, I want to be proven wrong and I'm definitely going to give it a go and I've not said that about an Assassin's Creed game in a while especially after <laughs> being burnt with Valhalla but before then I didn't jump into Odyssey and didn't jump into Origins and mm. um, so I will jump into this and hopefully it's its more than just a nostalgic retread
1: I am curious what the next major game the rip off is mm. because Assassin's Creed Origins um, <clears throat> and Odyssey and then Valhalla were very much inspired by Breath of the Wild and especially The Witcher 3 yes. because it was so there were just huge cultural touchstones. The main cultural touchstone right now is either Elden Ring or Tears of the Kingdom. And so like obviously whatever the next Assassin's Creed is that isn't Mirage will be heavily inspired by something. And I just wonder if that's what we'll get. Some weird like cobbling together this gadget thing yeah. um, to try and take people out. Because they did do a bit of that in Revelations when you made your own bombs and stuff. And it like didn't feel great. Ah, this is this is, what the identity what is the identity of this IP? That's the thing.
2: I said at the start of this video that I was mixed on this showcase and I've been incredibly negative since. I don't <laughs> I think I've said one nice thing about them. But this is what frustrates people so much with Ubisoft, yeah. is that they have these great franchises with so much character and so much personality to them. Mm. Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Watch Dogs, bunch of others, right? And as the years go on, they dilute what made those mm. things interesting in the first place by chasing other trends, by... completely cannibalizing their own format and applying that to all of those franchises to the point where they all play the same. They all play like something else. They remind you of something else. And unfortunately, they don't do what they're inspired by better than their inspiration. So it just mm. leaves you wanting to play those other games. And I just think that's a shame. Like the way Watch Dogs went, I will never forgive them for because <laughs> that thing I was so excited for, and right. yet it stumbled out the gate, but it had something and then it had nothing. Mm. Same with Far Cry. It had something with Far Cry 2 and Far Cry 3. And then in my opinion now, it has nothing. It's just, it's just another Ubisoft game and it's lost whatever magic it had. Mm. And that's happened with all of these franchises and it sucks to see, and it (laughs) happened with um, Assassin's Creed, and that's the one that they have thrown their weight behind the most to try and salvage, where they've kind of let watchdogs die, but I just hope they... I hope they're able to find whatever it was that made Assassin's Creed good in the first
1: place and uh, capitalize on it. The thing that's fascinating <clears throat> with Assassin's Creed, watching it roll out, is that back in the day, you had a lead creator. You had Patrice Dessalier, who was like leading those original games. And I think back initially, it was planned for either five or six games, with the overall arc being that it was Desmond in the present day acquiring the um, various of, uh, abilities of his ancestors. And then this AC five or six, or whatever it was going to be, would take place in the present day and you'd be a modern day assassin, and etc. cetera, et cetera. None of that happened because Patrice Tesla left Ubisoft because they overstretched that middle chunk of the game because they made a lot of a lot of money, and obviously we got Brotherhood, we got Revelations, and he was gone. I think by the time AC Three rolled around, he was yeah, out of I think it. So yeah, and then Black Flag was like that weird, what the hell do we even do? Like, and it worked for a lot of people, but that weird meta thing of like Ubisoft exists inside the game, and ever since then, they've never known what to do with it. They ditched the, the present day stuff, then they brought it back, and then like it's it's a bit more than ever now. And Desmond's back in it, but like it's just all over the place. And and so it's one of those things where like one of the biggest parts of the appeal of the original Assassin's Creed was that it felt like a focused vision and it felt like you as the audience didn't fully know what was happening. Like, like as, as the audience, it was like, why are there like computer glitches and weird visual effects and sci-fi looking stuff in the trailers? What is that game? Yeah. And that was part of the appeal. And then for me, the reveal of that was phenomenal. I love all the Subject 16 stuff from the very end of AC1. I thought that stuff was fascinating. Again, at the time, I was like a lost fan. So I was already <laughs> too sick and gone anyway, but I had a lot of fun with it. And so now it's like, yeah, how do you recapture that? You kind of on because no. it's out of the bag kind of thing. Um, but it is still fascinating. In terms of Assassin's Creed, though, um, like I said, they already have a couple of other games here in as well, which we can touch on. One being Assassin's Creed Nexus, which in is in itself taking some of the, um, the most well known locales and um, characters and stuff from the original trilogy and doing it in first person. You're a VR's man. That, I does am, this get I you am. in?
2: It does. It does. Honestly, it okay. does. Like You know what? I feel like with Assassin's Creed, like you say, one of the best parts of it is the sense of place and the mm. sense of movement. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will become even more immersive in first person, in VR. Like, True. I would happily just look around these locations, and that's all I want to do. Do you want to look at the architecture? <laughs> do world. you want to
1: climb with you one arm at a time?
2: I'll, I'll do some climbing. I could do that in Horizon and mm-hmm. call them out as well. The, the climbing mechanics in VR don't do much for me, right. honestly, but the sense of detail does, and the sense of scale especially does. So so the idea of being in a game like this and being on the ground level and then being able to climb up to the tallest part of a area—that's exciting. If, I want to dive into game. some hay. Yeah, I want, yeah. To, I want to get that sense of momentum. I want to get that sense of being outside and being in places that I will never visit or in terms of pure timeline perspectives, mm. never be able to properly visit and appreciate them from that level. Because say what you will about Assassin's Creed, but its level of artistry in the world design is impeachable. At that. Like they've always had the best artists, oh, the best yeah. designers on that side of things. And they've always recreated these locations with, Stunning detail,
1: <laughs> by far. Um, their R and D department is second to none. Like, I mean, I lo- I love walking around in Assassin's Creed Unity, even when that game was broken and buggy as hell. The interiors of all those places during the French Revolution—that is a great walking through history thing. And I love that they plug them into AC Odyssey. And I think it's in Valhalla as well. No, sorry, it's in Origins and uh, Odyssey. Maybe it's in Valhalla, but you can do a, a, a history mode where you just you—it like, gets rid of all the combat and it just walks you through the environments, just teaching you about everything. And I was like. I just love that it's like this virtual tourism thing. This is, again, what frustrates me so much about Ubisoft. (laughs)
2: They clearly have, on a ground level, from a developer to developer standpoint, they have some people who are passionate about the games, Mm. who are quality with their work, who know what they're doing, and they just don't have that oversight and that management that, one, apparently doesn't make for a healthy work environment, but, Mm. two, doesn't make for that creative cohesion that brings them all together a reason for all
1: that r&d stuff a reason for all of
2: that stuff to kind of cohere and that's always been such a shame because there are so many thousands probably of talented people working across ubisoft studios Mm. that don't have that kind of just like um direction to make all of that stuff again more than the sum of their parts and that's always been uh, just a shame
0: it's that time of the year Hello. Ah, man,
2: there's so much to like about Assassin's Creed, especially, but so much to just think. Yeah, that, that makes you think, like, why did you go down this direction? Why did we
1: spend so much time on this when this is so good over here? I think as well, because they are researching these time periods and they are pulling from, you know, they have, like, real-life historical figures that they'll maybe, like, you'll do a mission for them or something. There are so many meteor stories that they could be telling. There are so many other sort of ways they could do something that is set in the French Revolution or whatever and not make it Assassin's Creed. You could you could, you could could do a whole thing about, like, an Assassin's Creed saga series if you're really that bothered about tying in the, uh, the marketing side of it. Because um, that's clearly the reason why they don't do that stuff. It's because AC just sells the most, yeah. um, and it's easy. It's easier to keep doing that stuff. Um, the last thing for Assassin's Creed is Codename Jade which is um, their game set in ancient China um, which all the comments on that dislike bars huge etc., etc. Um, just because it's one of the most requested locations in uh, for, a, for an Assassin's Creed game either ancient Japan or ancient China but it's a mobile game yeah. so it's just getting that standard backlash of like
2: you were so close you could have just put it on consoles I know it's a shame like you should definitely not give gamers what they want <laughs> like I just don't <laughs> think so just because someone demanded something
1: hey say Sonic Superstars <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah
2: you should just <laughs> give them it but like yeah don't also don't give them what they want mm. quote unquote in a way that they definitely do not want yes. like have we learned nothing from the Diablo Immortal announcement like come <laughs> on people yeah. at least the people watching these showcases mm. I will concede loads of people play mobile games loads of people uh, buy microtransactions in mobile mm. games the market for that is huge but they're not the people watching these showcases Duh. or looking at these updates and it's like man those audiences are not the same when will you finally realize that
1: I guess mentioning Diablo Immortal is worthwhile because that game on mobile makes a stupid amount of money so I guess that's probably just what they're seeing in this case and it's like let's just monetize that wider nebulous mass market that will just go oh Assassin's Creed on a phone cool I'll just play it and I'll not talk about it and that's it they're just the people who just keep ticking away and making that much money and to be fair in terms of the gameplay they've shown looks awesome like looks like it could just be on a console I hope there's a switch version made or something um, at some point um, but speaking of you know having like uh, identities being stripped over time and the, that initial sort of juice behind an IP just going away um, and this is a game that I love this is my most excited game it's Prince of Persia and yeah, um, The Lost yeah, Crown yeah, yeah. Um, that is another game that's been massively disliked etc um, because it has a Fortnite style art style or whatever I just think pure gameplay wise it looks awesome and I love that they've fleshed out they've explained that you play as a dude called Sargon and you're rescuing the prince love which that. I love the, the framing of that yeah. um, Prince Ghassan is there the dude that needs to be found so um, yeah they, they are just going down like a Metroid Dread kind of route and there's just so many hardly any games do this where they have a 2D framing and they zoom in and play with the perspective and show your character like you know doing something and then you zoom back out and then the move happens or whatever right, yeah. um, it was in a game called Counter Spy like 10 years ago I remember that game I love that game yeah. Counter Spy absolutely rule because you could take cover and then it would zoom in and yes. you were, then you were in like a cover shooter and then you'd go back out again it was really really cool um, Shadow Complex had bits of it because you could shoot in and out of the perspective, you could shoot dudes in the background. But like for me, there's so much more that could be done with a side-scrolling perspective that is morphed with zooming in and having cinematics or having finishes and fatal fatalities, I was gonna say (laughs) finishing moves and things like that. So I think um the Lost Crown, the Prince of Persia game, that thing's style is sky high. That thing's visual punch is sky high. It's immediately memorable and I immediately want to play it. It looks just so inviting. Um so far, like I guess, very little to do with Prince of Persia, but for me, that franchise has been soft rebooted for its pop culture yes. period many times over. So Absolutely, I know, I do not man. Like I, I thought, it looked smashing.
2: I really <laughs> did.
0: You know, I think smashing. I said in the,
2: in the last podcast uh, that it, that it wasn't my thing visually, and it still isn't. But mm. from a gameplay perspective, it's it's hitting all of the right notes for me. Like you said, it feels fresh, it feels like a modern take on that genre and mm. it feels confident and it feels sophisticated. I read after the initial reveal that it had this kind of Metroid-style framing, yeah. and, you know, to, to see more of that was exciting as well. I, it, It's honestly, the more I see of it, the more I think maybe my head will be turned and that I will end up buying it and loving it because, yeah, it's hitting all the right notes, man.
1: It's definitely one of those things where if you apply, you know, sort of like base Ubisoft management brain, they saw how well Metroid Dread did because it outsold its entire franchise or whatever on Switch. Um, And I just, I feel like they just thought, well, we don't really have any 2D like platforming game, action platformers right now. Assassin's Creed ironically did have that run of them where it was China and Russia um, and one other one, uh, India, I think. Um, but they don't have a in-motion in Metroid contender, and whilst we're waiting in between Dread and something else, why not do that with some IP? Um, which, you know, whatever, like the original Prince of Persia was side-scrolling anyway, so they yeah. can argue it makes sense.
2: Well, that's it, and I think with a lot of their franchises, not only are they filling those gaps in the market and looking at what's doing well, mm. but they're taking a lot of their franchises back to basics. We've just waxed lyrical about how <laughs> Assassin's Creed is going back uh, to the original framing and mm. the original gameplay style. They've obviously got the Prince of Persia Sans- of time remake in the works, so they've got the 3D style of Prince of Persia covered. While not take it back, why not take it back to its proper roots and also do a 2.5D side scroller Metroidvania and mm. um, effort as well to supplement it? You've got teams that excel in that, mm. why not? I think they're you know perhaps cynically relying on nostalgia in a lot of ways for these titles, especially because we're also getting a Splinter Cell remake as well. But is that ever coming? Uh, probably not. Is that even real? Probably, probably not. I don't know if it is, but I'd take. All of these games over these franchises being dead. The yeah. fact that we now live in a world where there are two Prince of Persia games coming out is kind of crazy. What's the other one? Uh, this sounds uh, the this time, right? Yeah? Oh god! Yeah, I, I just, just said that there. You made me probably <laughs>
1: question myself. I was like, No, I was thinking, is are they doing like another new one? No, they. Oh no,
2: no, yeah, just just the sounds of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You in theory, me, you made me freak out. I was like, I was like, oh my god, have I got something wrong? In these no, two I just I
1: forgot they were even doing that because, yes. assumedly, it would have been the remake first to remind people about the IP, and then they would have gone into the Lost Crown. Yeah, um, but now it's going to be the other way around. I think that Sounds of Time is just going to get cancelled altogether. I know they've switched developers and everything, but I yeah. think
2: because they switched developers, I don't think it will. Mm. They've taken it back to the people who created it uh, way back in the day, they've got original developers back Mm. on board they just released that really promising Q&A recently where they were talking about how they want to do it justice and stuff Mm. I don't think they would invest that much in it if they didn't have faith in it. I think they would have cancelled it after they switched studios. Yeah. That's my personal thought,
1: anyway. No, that's that's completely that would be completely fair if it was anyone other than Ubisoft, because <laughs> yeah, they've done fair. that exact same thing with Splinter Cell. They did a round table of people just going, I like Splinter Cell. Do you like Splinter Cell? <laughs> um, we'll see how um, that stuff comes together. The last thing from Ubisoft that's worth talking about is Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which is a very Far Cry-style game I just don't care about Avatar, but I don't know if you do. I kind of do, man. That's good. In
2: the, in, you know what? This is the horrible, petty contrarian in me, but the more people <laughs> tell me they don't care about Avatar, the more I'm like, Avatar's really good. Maybe it's got something with it. Do you know Jim's what's terrible? Cameron's
1: movies. What? Metroid Dread's terrible, mate. You should... Uh. <laughs> avoid that like the plague. Yeah, give me some reverse psychology terrible. and
2: I'll uh, check that out and I'll check out a bunch of anime that you've been trying yeah, to get oh, watch. Yeah,
1: oh, Demon Slayer is horrific. <laughs> no, Definitely not anime of uh, <laughs> Terrible.
2: Sincerely though, outside of that, uh, that, that the, me being facetious there I genuinely do think that Avatar like looks visually mm. stunning. I was watching the Digital Foundry kind of deep dive into all of the games from the Ubisoft conference and hilariously they also made the Far Cry comparison which opened my eyes and made me realise that yeah, from a gameplay perspective, <laughs> it kind of is just the Far Cry framing but out of all of the games that we've seen over the summer game fest period mm. like Avatar Frontiers of Pandora that's that's yeah, right Yes um, is one of the only proper next gen looking games I thought like it looked incredible the this the, the the lighting that was on display the detail that was there the scale of it the colors Everything just sort of made me think, okay, this 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 looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I'm cutting it a lot of slack on the gameplay <laughs> um, side of things. Because as you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a graphics man. I'm a fidelity man. He's a fidelity man. And that really did um, put some rose-tinted glasses over my eyes because I thought, well, at the very least, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I
1: th- I'm, just, I'm curious what you can do in it that you couldn't do in a Far Cry because the bits where you're sort of taming various animals reminded me of Far Cry Primal. And I guess I just, it's just that cynical brain that you get with Ubisoft stuff where it's like, well, I guess you're bringing that AI model across and you're bringing that animation across yeah. or whatever. Um, but they did show some of the third person things. They said that whenever you're riding on various creatures, it'll be third person. The rest of the game will be first. And I do like a first slash third person split because I like Rainbow Six Vegas. And I'll, I'll take that in any form that you can do it. Um, but yeah, Avatar is the weirdest IP to me because I don't know a single soul who's seen the new movie. Um, but that thing is like the third highest grossing film yeah. ever or something. So it's just, I just, I don't know who these people are. It's like the Diablo Immortal people. I don't know who they are, but they're propping this IP up something fierce.
2: I think with Avatar, like, obviously people have its problems with its storytelling and its Mm. characters, but I think, you know, even if you were a hater of the first movie and the second movie, I think everyone agreed that, at least visually, the world itself looked like somewhere you would want to go and explore. Yeah.
1: I would. All those mushroom plants that are going to attack you, they all like Everyone's <laughs> everything got got the like tendrils. Everything's got like hair and tendrils. And it's like, I don't I know, it just looks like the bottom of the ocean on the top. Which,
2: yeah, absolutely. I don't
1: want that. Why not, Scott? It's full of fungi. Yeah. It I is. Don't, there's just so many mushrooms and <laughs> yeah. tendrils and hair. And I'm just like, what is this? Oh, everything's it's, got a ponytail. Yeah, it's cool. I don't think it is cool.
2: <laughs> I think it's cool. So mm. when I looked at the world, I thought, yes, You know, regardless of the films, that's a world I want to explore in a video game realm and something that could be done justice in a video game realm, I think. But like you said, from a gameplay perspective... It's it's it looks fine. It looked okay. <laughs> it actually opened my eyes more when, again, in the Digital Foundry video, they mentioned that some of the staffers at the studio making this game were from previously uh, Crytek, who right. obviously made you know the Crisis games and the very first Far Cry as well, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And when I the more I looked at the demo, the more I actually felt like it was closer to maybe that first Crisis than it was the or oh, hey. the Far Cry games. And maybe if you're lean On that angle, in that freeform angle, I like it more because it'll feel less formulaic
1: even I, though they are kind of the same thing. I might be massively back in if they do the stuff that was in, was it not in Far Cry Instincts or Instincts Predator or whatever that spin off thing was? Yeah. Where you can like get on your get down on, on your belly and then turn over yeah. and, and crawl under like a hut and then shoot dudes like through the panels. Remember that Yeah, when everything you shot pe- people through the panels? Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 3 had it as well. Uh-huh. And it was like, and Call of Duty started doing it with Modern Warfare. Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter? Yeah, yeah, just let me shoot dudes through panels. I feel like that was a thing and it's not a thing but it could be a thing again um, something that's not going to be a thing is Pragmata Capcom's Pragmata um, one of the original games shown off for of the PlayStation 5 as we segue into the Capcom showcase something um, a showcase that many people are saying shouldn't have happened they no not, they would have just come away with the same amount of information if it didn't happen because you they just announced that something wasn't going to happen it at was all.
2: hilarious and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack you live on air please right do. now please <laughs> do because when this was on I wasn't going to watch it and I didn't watch it okay. because I, I I was so disappointed in their showing last year that I just didn't believe they would have anything. right. 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 but partway through you text me saying oh my god they've showed Pragmata Yeah, and then I dropped well I didn't everything. say they showed
1: I just said oh my god Pragmata well
2: there you go yeah, oh yeah. my god well, well, I, I assume yeah. it must be from the showcase yeah. so I dropped everything and I thought bloody hell if they're showing <laughs> Pragmata they must have some good stuff up their sleeve uh-huh. and then I logged online and saw that that update was just a, a, an apology for them delaying the game. I was going to
1: say, my quick follow-up text was, oh, actually, no, it's just for the delay.
2: I missed that bit. Yeah, I only saw the top bit. You did you didn't rectify it, but it got <laughs> me so excited and so hyped that I logged on. And then I just saw literally the same kind of style of apology that CDPR has done a million times, that we've seen a million times, where it's just the text box. <laughs> it's like, sorry, we need more time, which is totally fair. Yes. But it's just classic Capcom, isn't it? Because considering how good their games are, uh, compared to sometimes how bad their marketing is, where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to give you an update for this game, but yeah. it's an update that it's 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 delayed.
1: I did think that in regards to the way that they handled the delay, it was very cute. I mean, they it had was. the little girl character drawing something. You know what it's going to be, and it's a thing saying, sorry, it's delayed. And they did show some little bits of gameplay, so yeah. it's not like it was nothing at all. Um, But it was just weird because Capcom are having the year of their lives right now with Street Fighter VI and Resident Evil 4 Remake. Um, you know, in amongst everything else, the, the way that they're handling Monster Hunter, like they're doing the best they've ever done. Um, and then I thought, well, it'll just that'll be the cherry on top of the icing, icing on top of the cake, and then the cherry on top of the icing to have a really good showcase that just says, hey, by the way, maybe Devil May Cry 6 is coming or yeah. whatever else. And it's cool that we got more Dragon's Dogma 2 stuff, but overall it was so flat. It was yeah. just like here's a demo for Ghost Trick, here's an um, Ace Attorney spin-off that's getting like updated or whatever. It was, I mean, I like those IP, but it was very little. Yeah. And I was like, you have so much momentum right now now, like, I guess, how hard would it have been to give us something? Maybe they don't want to do something uh, that's more logo-based because they, they can't guarantee it or something, but I really thought they'd have something here, and they absolutely <laughs> did not. <laughs>
2: well, that's it, man. They're, they're, they're not newcomers to this space, No, but they're not like Ubisoft, who always has a mm. big showcase every year. Capcom usually gives its stuff to mm. the third party, no, to, to, to the first party publishers, like mm. Sony and Microsoft and whatnot, to show them off. You know, you'll know, you often get a Resident Evil game, whatever, playstation showcase uh you'll often get like uh, monster hunter or devil may cry at another showcase rather than them you know bring them all in and localize them all to their own uh big events so mm-hmm. i wasn't expecting much anyway and even then they had kind of had more than i thought they would because okay. i wasn't expecting dmc six to be at their thing i thought we I just get, you know, updates for existing games. So the mm. fact that we got Pragmata at all was a plus. Well, that was why I immediately texted you. Yeah. I
1: said, we've got a thing. Well,
2: there you go. But it still makes me question why they even do it when yeah. they've showed most of this stuff off previously. And like you said, it was cool to get more Dragon's Dogma stuff, but mm. we, 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 we'd already seen it, and it's it's nice, but unnecessary, I
1: Where's think. the separate Ways DLC where, for Resident Evil 4?
2: Where is the separate Ways DLC for Resident <laughs> Evil 4, Scott? <laughs> I been really want to know... Goal. It, it would, and they tease it at the end of the main game. Spoilers, but they, they, they <laughs> say the word separate ways. We know separate ways is coming. Uh, there's so much more in Resident Evil 4 that could be even be used that was cut from the main release that mm. is in the main campaign of the original Resident Evil 4 that could be added to separate ways to bolster it out mm-hmm. like just give us a logo surely you've got a logo
1: <laughs> surely you got something surely you got something um, I think it's worth chucking in here that they did re-show uh, uh, Path of the Goddess which is like a platinum style action game that was originally at the Xbox showcase I didn't think that, I think the showing that it got here was better I think most of it was the same trailer but I felt like I saw more gameplay here mm. um, maybe it's because I was freaking out too much at the Xbox one but I just I like like when Capcom do their DMC adjacent stuff, um, and it's just, it's cool just seeing a new IP, even though it is, it, it reminded me a bit of, it's like Okami kind of meets Devil May Cry, or like whatever, you know, platinum action game you want to go to, um, I thought the art direction looks stunning, and I love the, like, the general approach they've got to um, just, you know, goddesses and old school sort of um, mytho- mytho- mythological beings, yeah. etc.,
2: Yeah, I also agree, man. I think with Capcom right now, they've got their core franchises down. Mm. They have our trust with Monster Hunter, with DMC, with Resi, with all of the established franchises. Street Fighter. Street Fighter, of course. Street Fighter, how could I forget? Obviously, huge success this year. Game of the year and waiting. All the fans, Game of the year and waiting. But what else have they got? They've <laughs> they've got these new games that they've announced now, but can they put the sta- same stamp of quality on those that they can with the established franchise? Well, I've got to bring and up b- hope they can.
1: one thing, which what? is Exo Primal.
2: They <laughs> are throwing <laughs> a lot of eggs yeah. in
1: their live service basket, and I don't think anyone cares oh, about Exo Primal this is what we forget right yeah. with capcom of recent years that
2: yeah they make great single player games mm. but they haven't given up on the live service dream how many bad resident <laughs> evil multiplayer spin-offs have we had is reverse that, yeah. and the other one that i don't even know if it came out but they tried twice <laughs> and it didn't work and it's like there's still elements of old capcom in those projects that mm. i don't necessarily love and don't want to get more focus.
1: I mean, Monster Hunter like is a live service game. Like, There's a lot of content plugged into that. That's one of the only ones that I feel I mean, it's, it's weird because they have live service elements in Street Fighter 6 in Monster Hunter. Like, There are ways to roll those things out um, and like you said, Oriverse was like their attempt at sort of making this platform for Resident Evil to plug different characters and whatever else into but Exoprimal, I got off to such a horrible start because it like showed uh, dinosaurs it showed a redhead female protagonist which everyone assumed was going to be Regina everyone assumed it was going to be something based on Dino Crisis and um, they renewed the Dino Crisis trademark and there's like a um, there's a questionnaire doing the rounds or something where um, they asked which of these IP would you want to see more of and one of the options is now Dino Crisis so I'm like I see you guys thinking about this yeah. and you're putting these little teasers out there to sort of stoke the embers a little bit um, but I just I feel like every third party publisher has to attempt a live service um, and just fall on their arse with it like Anthem did or Suicide Squad will do or whatever um, and it was just one of those things where the entire time they showed ExoPrimal like all the live chats were just like F, F's in the chat, this thing is dead Yeah, asking people to pay for premium versions of it etc. Um, I just, I see zero pull. In no this man,
2: game. I honestly before it was, what was the crossover that they announced before the Capcom showcase? It was at the, either SGF or it was at the Microsoft
1: There's This is a Halo Jet Set Radio thing.
2: Maybe it was that they it, 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 it showed a trailer of it is the, is the right. point, the fact that it's like out and it's having this crossover and I was like what? Like what? I didn't even know this <laughs> (laughs) game, I remember when it was first announced and everyone was annoyed that it wasn't Dino Crisis but I didn't know it was still a thing, I didn't Mm -hmm. know it was a thing they were pushing this hard so I was disappointed to see it but yeah like you said it it of course makes sense that all of these publishers are going to have a live service game or two or Mm ten to try and push just as it makes sense that they have a mobile game or two or ten to push as well because (laughs) the amount of money to make in those sectors is outrageous Mm -hmm. and to honestly expect them to give it up completely in both avenues use is kind of ridiculous because they're never going to not chase that money and it sucks no. that it makes that much money and it means we get stuff like uh, the mobile Assassin's Creed game and these games from Capcom but they're unfortunately never going to
1: go away as long as they're this lucrative that's, that's the hilarious part is that they just they released a Street Fighter mobile game uh, and there's a lot of different mobile versions of Street Fighter but there was a some premium version that came out either at the very beginning of this year or the end of last year that was just roundly despised because it's like this auto playing microtransaction Fest thing, Um, and it's better not talked about in the same breath as something like Street Fighter VI. But yeah, I just feel like Exo Primal is like would have been commissioned during the the days where everyone assumed Anthem would be the next big thing, Um, which is what I still feel like Sony's trying to chase. But um, yeah, overall, Primal doesn't seem like it's going to be landing very well, and it's out in a month. Yes. Like that thing is just out in July. It's in amongst what like five other game of the year contenders <laughs> like there's no way that it's going to condemn well, this, this is what in I mean. general
2: this is what I mean like I completely just like got lost track with it and then to see you get this big push and these kind of weird crossovers I was like okay we're, we're, <laughs> we're fully on this board again after it was off my radar for a long time mm. uh, I don't know if anyone has like it has has it had like an early access thing or like a beta or anything has anyone so. played it yet or are they just kind of pushing it
1: it seems that the things that they were pushing during the stream were all like yeah, pre-order now and get these extra skins right. It was lots of skin packs It was lots of deluxe stuff, it was, I think they highlighted the pricing tiers um, for the premium currency stuff. It just feels like, you know, live service 101. It feels like the thing that everyone's tired of at this point.
2: It is one of those um, REverse things where mm. I'm like, is this, did you release this? Like, are you still working on it? Like, what's, <laughs> like, what happened? Like, because these live service games, all these live service spinoffs from mm. Capcom, anything that isn't like a mainline title just it kind of comes out and it dies it reminds mm. me of like those Ubisoft live service games that we had you know those battle royale games and those kind of weird multiplayer games they released in you were kind of like oh that came out that, that, that. people played
1: that that's actually been mean? out had two seasons and died and yeah go, oh, the servers, okay.
2: are, servers are, have already been shut off okay yeah. I get that same vibe from these games and again not to end on a downer but I just hope that's not indicative of their approach going forward and I don't think it will be uh-huh. judging on the success of Street Fighter 6 and Resi 4
1: same is our reverse actually out I actually don't I literally don't know
2: <laughs> I need to ask si, she'll know
1: I actually have no idea <laughs> because that was like bundled in with something else that you, some village DLC thing well
2: this obviously oh, this didn't it come I, with that? I don't know. I can't remember what was going on <laughs> with it. I think it is out. I think it's out. I can't even remember the name of the one that was bundled with the RE3 remake. That might be reverse for all I know, but it was definitely two. There yeah. was one that was kind of like Dead by daylight E, where you played as a bunch of survivors, and you played as someone who was controlling all of the uh, bad guys, and you could spot in as Nemesis and stuff, Mr. X, mm-hmm. and that one died, and then I think our REverse happened. And I don't know if it's out, and I'm frightened to check, <laughs> quite frankly.
1: the uh, Yeah, the girth or the dearth, the difference between the single-player output from Capcom and the multiplayer side of things feels like two completely different companies at this point. Same with Square Enix stuff if you compare Final Fantasy 16 or 7 uh, rebirth with the uh, the weird one-off multiplayer stuff that Square Enix keeps trying to do with like Final Fantasy Battle Royale and everything else. That's a great comparison because you. that is the exact
2: same when you have something great that everyone loves, the well, a lot of people love the mm. Final Fantasy 7 remake and then every conference every year <laughs> you get these Final Fantasy 7 spin-offs that nobody wants because they're do you like,
1: want a young no! <laughs> it's
2: like Battle Royale games and mobile games and we're going to milk this until everyone's
1: dead and it's like,
2: guys, you got something good.
1: That um, Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale thing, its called. The, it was called The First Soldier. I didn't even realize that had a full release that it's now dead. Yeah, like, I, I saw the, the press announcement saying that they were shutting it down and I was like, did you even fire it up? Like, was that a thing?
2: This is it. Like, this is what I mean. Like, all of those games are bundled into the same sort of bin at mm. this point and I don't know whose fault it is. Is it the publishers who know they're not going to succeed and haven't marketed? them or (laughs) have they marketed them and they've just bypassed me entirely and not found anyone to play them because no one is interested and they didn't do a good job of getting Mm. people interested and now they're all dead it's Mm. just there are people who can do live service as well there are good live service games out there ones that i love but you can always tell the half-assed ones.
1: Well, I think if even Naughty Dog, I know this was like after a consultation period with Bungie apparently, can't get their Last of Us live service thing over the over the finish line. To like do something with that IP in a live service context that is appealing enough to at least take a gamble on, then it's very, very hard to get a live service thing off the ground and make it work. Halo died trying to chase that as well.
2: Absolutely. And you know what? I don't think we've talked about the, the Naughty Dog live service stuff since nope. that report came out, but that was interesting because not to slag off Bungie, they are masters of <laughs> what they do they have obviously got to a successful place with their live services in destiny 2 but man i don't want to see uh them influence influence naughty dog like if i go mm. to a naughty dog live service game i kind of want to see their spin see on what it. they do yeah, yeah. i don't want to see the sanitized version of the most marketable version mm. of a naughty dog live service whether it's good or bad i kind of want to see them do something different with it. They might not have been doing that. They might have been trying to chase what is marketable and just mm. do it, been doing a bad job of it. I don't know, but I kind of want to see those studios at least try and fail at something original rather than get another one of these million live service games that have just gone straight into the landfill yeah. that no
1: one cares about. I mean, the the hope is that they had some idea for what would be like a half a year or a year's worth of content under a Last of Us context, but, I, but also there's the potential where it was just a bunch of different skins for your character or yeah whatever, um, but you would assume that Bungie were being fair when they analysed stuff, but I agree I w- I'd be very curious to see what a very story-focused dev did for a live service and whether that could be more narratively satisfying or whatever it is, um, but yeah, overall um, we're coming to the end of the, the current portion of uh, the various video game live shows and everything else, and there's not anything for another month or so, no, I don't think I don't have a specific date down, but there's one in the next month or so I'll tell you
2: what, I'll whisper some sweet nothings into your ear Go hole on. right now You've got Final Fantasy 16
1: next week, my friend. Hell yeah, dude. To be fair, Final Fantasy 16's demo is out. And oh my God, right? I need, I need to shout this out. I don't know whether to do this in a video. I, I'm doing a separate podcast thing. Square Enix, for as much as I, we're saying that their multiplayer stuff is terrible and slagging them off in the middle, so it's a horrible decision with NFTs, etc. they are killing it with the demo game. Oh, Every single okay. one of their games that has come out recently from um, <laughs> Triangle Strategy to Final Fantasy sixteen or whatever lets you play such a massive chunk of the game for free with all your data carrying over to the finished release. You can play about eight hours of Triangle Strategy for free. Wow. Like That was the thing that sold me on the game. It was when I had COVID and I was just sitting in bed playing it all day long and maybe I was delirious from the vid but I <laughs> thought it was a really good game and then I bought it and carried over and just kept going and it's one of those things where hardly any um, studios of their level prioritized either vertical slices or slicing off part of the game but you remember when they did it with Resident Evil 2 when it was like you can play like 90 minutes or whatever yes. and then they were, maybe it was 45 something like that and then they but it was a sort of finished code it was like near finished if not finished code it's such a good model for what the industry could be um, to let people know what they're buying and it's like you. You go gold with the code, you cut off the start of the game, you have some sort of point um, you know, where you can't go any further, and you just give that to the consumer because you have faith that they won't get their full fill on that and then they can go into the next thing.
2: Especially in the modern age. like yeah. I could kind of get it back in the day if you had the excuse of, we don't want to give too much of the game away when games were like 8 to 10 hours. You yeah. don't want to give a 2 hour chunk. But I mean, Final Fantasy 16 is going to be 100 hours, eight oh, yeah. hours, you're not missing much if you get like the opening two hours, if you give that away and it convinces people because well, Final t- Fantasy 16 is a, you know, I'm outside of this bubble, but it's changing a lot. It's, it's, it's mm. new, it's fresh. People might not be won over by it on paper alone, but if they get to try it, I've seen nothing but excellent headlines since that demo dropped about it convincing yeah. fans who were on the fence, and it's like, that's what a demo should do! There was a,
1: if you pie-charted my head, there was a part of me that was like, oh, it's not my Final Fantasy, I'm not that sure about it. I think we talked about it in one of the other previous podcasts, where yeah. I was like, I have, I have faith in it, I love Final Fantasy and everything, but they are changing a lot. It is playing like Devil May Cry, it's not playing in turn-based and whatever. The demo sells you entirely. Like, once you see the vision, once you see what they're doing, once you see the amount of, just fresh ideas they're bringing to it um, especially in the combat And j- but it's more the scale it's more what they've built and just how immediate that sort of like view of Final Fantasy is and how mature it is and everything um, yeah the fact that you can just like play like two-ish hours of the final game like that's unbelievable in this climate that's unbelievable
2: yes it is I and just want to shout that out you know, I'm, I'm honestly incredibly annoyed because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really want it to be bad but I also kind of did because I don't have the money to buy it and I'm like now I need to find go play the demo? 70 pounds break to, your no to, demo to rule it. I know, no, but then I'm going to want to buy it even more, and that's yeah. just no good for anyone. I need to get paid Just first.
1: trade, uh, what, what can you trade in? I don't know, what can I trade in? Dead that's Island That's a good
2: too? point. I didn't, I didn't get that physically. What have you got that's physical really?
1: that you could just get rid of? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the issue. I'll least. give you my Dead Island 2, and you <laughs> trade that in. That'll free up some money for the old 16. But yes, um, for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Telford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.